Hey, good evening, and welcome to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. This week we're talking about Rain Man from 1998, starring Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman, Valerie Galino, and uh, a bunch of other people. And uh, it's about two brothers. One of them is really uh, sharp, and the other one not so much. Kind of like us. So uh, enjoy which one, it. Oh, which one is which? One is I'm which? Matthew. Oh, sorry. And you're, I'm Matthew Arkin, and you are? I'm Tony Arkin. Hello. And now we're going to roll the credits. Talking about cocktails that are stylish, movies great or phony, and how Tony should win the Matthew, and then Matthew should win the Tony. But in the meantime, talking about film in the meantime, the Arkin brothers talk about movies. Oh, that feels so good going down into my tummy. <laughs> oh boy every week it's a surprise for I love us that. There, i huh? love getting surprises <laughs> yeah, i love getting surprises me too. Me too. what what is it that feels so good going down into your tummy do you think what what were you talking about i was talking about uh it was an imitation of will farrell drinking batch 22 oh that's right and apparently uh in the cold open i said 1998 but it's 1988 because uh I'm yep. tired and I'm an idiot. And, uh, that and was I wasn't paying attention. So I, there you go. <laughs> and you got your yes. dark glasses on, so you can't see what's happening. Anymore. I have been looking again. I've been looking at computer screens all day. I'm tired and I want to, uh, this is also partly in honor of the movie. There are some sunglasses flashed in this round in this movie. Oh, that's right. There and, are some um, sunglasses. I thought uh, I'd, I'd honor that choice. Yes, I got it confused with 1998's Brain Man, which was a completely different movie. Very different. Very scary movie, Brain Man. I remember they gave me nightmares. Brain Man. It's about a man who has a big brain. I want to write that script. Um, (laughs) So before we were live here or semi-live, you were saying you're tired. And um, I just, you don't look tired. You look like very, you look ready to do a show and well lit. I just hope you're all right. Vegas. I got it under control. Yeah, Vegas. You can be, you know, twenty four hours a day here in Vegas. Um, I I did get them to quiet down with the slot machines behind me for the show. Right. Yeah. They're losing so much money right now. Well, it's a pen. It's a lockdown. You have that whole casino for the for the hour. No, this is actually this is the uh, casino from uh, Ride to Hell, or what was the movie? Hell's Hell's Nightmare Alley. What movie did we watch where they end up in an empty, empty oh, Snake Las Eyes? Vegas? Snake, Snake Eyes? Eyes, an empty Las Vegas. Well, that's Atlantic City. Atlantic City. No, but there was another movie where they end with uh, Jan Michael Vincent. Don't they end up in a oh, casino? Yes, in Vegas you, absolutely. Yes, they do. Empty. They do. Uh, Nightmare Alley. Nightmare. It, no, yes. not Nightmare Alley. It's um Damnation Alley. Damnation Alley, Isn't Hell it? Ride, yeah, Hell Ride to Forever, or something like that. Wow, no. yeah, it's gonna come to us. Yeah, Renegade. Sophia's saying Renegade. No, not Renegade. Not Renegade. Jan Michael was, Vincent. Yeah, that was I back around. I think it's Damnation Alley. Damnation Alley. That was back around Arkin Brothers, you know, forty six or something like that. Yeah, we had just done the Tyrone Power uh, quadrology. Yeah, <laughs> very popular. Yes. Very, very yeah. popular. It's Tyrone to the fourth power, I think, is what we called that month. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, um, we're talking a whole bunch of nonsense today, aren't we? Well, I think we're both a little punchy, for, for whatever reason. Oh, that's the... Uh, there we go. That's the... Uh, that, that makes... Yeah. That, that kind of wakes me up a little yeah, bit. Now, now I'm really in Vegas. Um, Lost Wages, Nevada. So, um, the only you know, way to make money in that town is to step off the airplane and into the propeller. But seriously, <laughs> is that, whose is that? I don't know, it's from some old play or something like that. It's a line of Adams from some play, I think. <laughs> so, um, I don't so, know. What, what what was your week? What was your week like? Good. My week bad, was uh, horrible. There, I don't know. That, I don't want to put adjectives on it. It was a week. Some <laughs> of it was some of it was profound. Some of it was 
boring. Some of it was uh, exciting. It was seven um, days long. Seven days of it, and and they just uh, they were, were relentless. Any good? Didn't, any good food? I I uh, I probably had the best meal was tonight of all really? the whole week. And I just made a, I made pasta sauce, but it just worked out. It was just like one of those, it just worked out. Okay. Simple, homemade tomato sauce. It's really boring. This is a boring thing to say. What did you, what did you eat? Are you I okay? The, I had one of the best steaks I ever had in my life last night. Get out of town. Where, yeah. where was this? Went to a place called Eddie V's Steakhouse in Newport Beach. Eddie I like v. the name. Yeah, it's a chain. They've they've got several of them. Very high end steakhouse chain. And I went there with one of my partners and uh, a new rep from our bottler. Uh, and we went there to meet with the manager and introduce him to Batch Twenty Two and try and open up this chain. Because if we can get into all twenty seven or however many there are of Eddie V's Steakhouses, it would be a big coup for us. So we sat at the the bar and had dinner. And I ordered a uh, a bone-in ribeye steak that was one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life. And I'm not saying that because we're trying to get an account there. Uh, if they told us that they didn't like Batch 22, I would still say one of the best steaks I ever had in my life. In a weird way, it might make you feel it was even better steak because, you know. I don't know what you mean by that. No, like, like you would probably I'm, like I'd really be telling the truth. No, it's like if they were going to reject it, it might as well be the best steak you've ever had. It better be the best steak, you know. Like, yeah. if it's a club that won't have me as a member, right? The steaks better be really good, right? Um, if it's an Arby's, then they and better. Then, have. And then uh, with some nice uh, grilled asparagus and some lobster mashed potatoes. That's crazy town. I've never had that. Me neither. Just wow. mashed potatoes with nice. uh, five sticks of butter and a bunch of lobster claw in it. Great. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty. Great. I don't see a problem. Good. I don't yeah. see a problem. Pretty insanely good dinner. Uh, and tonight I'm having, uh, you know, raw ground kale all day. That's all I'm having. Okay. To make to up for it. Make up for last night, which was. Um, you deserved it. You yeah. deserved it. If it was a positive experience, it was, not, incredibly, it was an incredibly positive experience. Um, so I'll be back there for more stakes. So that's our show next week. We have, um, next uh, week on next week, dinner time, Darjeeling Express. <laughs> <next week. laughs> um, I think everybody's a winner on this show, <laughs> as it turns out. Yes, yeah. <laughs> First bet is on us. Um, Oh my goodness. I could just keep listening to that for the next hour. Oh, you know, this does remind me. There is one thing I'd like to bring up. Oh, uh, friend okay. of the show, uh, Stephanie Stephanie Spinner. She has, um, has Ebola? No, God, no. But that oh. is a funny story. There, there, there story. was a miscon <laughs> uh, somebody misconstrued. misconstrued um, as, that's a very funny story. Uh-oh. But Stephanie was asking about uh, the end of, in an email, about the end of um, Snake Eyes, because we mentioned Snake Eyes just a minute ago, and that's why I remembered this. Yes. And I realized, as we were, as I mentioned Snake Eyes, that I, I didn't email her back. So I will, but maybe she'll actually hear this episode before I email her back about that and say that the answer is to what is, what was the red, um, the red, uh, like uh, ruby-looking thing in the wall at the very end of the movie. I had to kind of go back into the databanks for this, but it is uh, it is the ring uh, worn by the uh, the female spy who doesn't make it, and that's where they've dumped her body. We get to uh, we get to learn anyway. Again, wow. that's the that's it for our notes tonight on. Arkham Brothers talk about movies. We talked about <laughs> movies. Joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we talked about, you know, what we did this week. And so I think we've we've done our show. Yeah, there we go. All right. It is time to talk about Rain Man, which is seems I'm scared. To I'm a little nervous. We're us, dancing both around. Us, both of us are afraid to uh, yeah. broach the subject. 
Mm. Um, I'll, I'll dive in where angels fear to tread. Uh, You're this very movie braver than I am. Opened in 1988. It was nominated for many, many awards. It won many, many awards. Um, there's a story um, about uh, a teacher of dad's who, after dad had become quite successful, uh, somebody doing an article on dad went, went back and interviewed this teacher of his from L.A. City College. And this was after dad had become famous, uh, accolades, all kinds of stuff. And this teacher, when he was interviewed, and I kind of respect him for saying this, he said, didn't understand it then, don't understand it now. <laughs> Which I, I kind of respect the guy for sticking by his guns, right? You know, not everybody has to like everybody. He didn't like dad. He didn't get what he does. And he said he still doesn't get it. He didn't change his tune. Uh-oh. I'm going to jump right in. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get uh -oh. it. I don't get one moment of it. Uh-oh. Yeah, you know, there boy. I've, I've, I've said it. Very talented people. Cross uh -oh. the board. Yeah. Cross the board. Uh, a huge um, Barry Levinson fan. Unbelievable talent. Blah, blah, blah. I watched this movie and I was mystified. Um, uh -oh. Are we, are we going to have a fight? God, no. No, we're not. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm so and, relieved. And that's our show. That's our show. Gentlemen. Complete agreement. Good night. <laughs> yeah well we're up against it because you know uh, i mean the reviews on this thing are crazy it's like if people love this like they like shawshank and and uh i i i realize we're not uh at the forefront here or maybe gonna, we are at the I'm forefront. I'm going to dive in with that shot that, that was just shown of the two of them coming down the escalator in their new suits that they've just bought from a very fancy tailor. They've just spent a, a boatload of money on suits from a very fancy tailor. And Tom Cruise plays the, the brother who is not a, a, an autistic savant, et cetera, et cetera. And Dustin Hoffman does. And the thing I object to is that I don't care what your mental capabilities are. If you go to a freaking great tailor and pay him money, you're going to look awesome in that suit. And there's absolutely no reason to have them coming down that escalator and have Tom Cruise's suit look phenomenal. And uh, Dustin Hoffman's suit look like, oh, I'm the idiot savant character. I don't know. I think they looked equally uh, smart. Well, but you look at the trousers, look at the way the jacket fits on Dustin well, that's Hoffman. That's just Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so mean, I'm sorry, but <laughs> there's a limit yeah. to what can happen when you're standing next to Tom Cruise. No, but if you but the clothes can fit. I mean, I I I have the body that I have. It's not exceptional. I was doing a show in New York uh, a few uh -oh. years ago. They sent me to a tailor and this guy worked on this suit. I had, you know, fittings for the suit and I, I looked like, I, I do not look like a million bucks. I'm going <laughs> to put it right out there. And in this suit that they tailored for me, I looked like a million bucks because the tailor knew what he was doing. Were you <laughs> standing next to Tom Cruise though? You were alone in a room looking at if yourself. I, going, I, I looked pretty good. You may have been next, standing next to pre-bodybuilding J.K. Simmons, and said, "I look pretty good." But if you I were not standing next, next to Tom Cruise, I would have looked really tall. That's all I'm going to say. Whoa! Yeah, I threw down there, didn't I? Well, you'd have to throw down because yeah. that's where he'd have. You to remember what you. Nicole Kidman said? I think on Letterman right after they got divorced, and he he asked her something about what it's like, you know, now being 
divorced and she said something about well i can wear heels again <laughs> yeah well i will say look you know i i having I, I did have the opportunity to meet him once at a party there was no reason for it to happen it was a screening dustin i yeah no no <laughs> mr cruz mr c yeah <clears throat> and um I, 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 I the, let me put it this way: the first thing that you think when you meet him isn't, "Wow, he's short." It's just not. You're, you're really thinking about other stuff. And um, you, later, it kind of occurs to you, like, uh, "Oh, well, it occurred to me, like, oh, we were actually about the same height, and he probably had maybe lifts or something. I don't know." But that's not what you're thinking when you're meeting him. You're not thinking, "Oh, this is a little guy." What are you thinking, Tony? You're like, holy <laughs> shit, that's Tom Cruise. I mean, you're just, that's what you're thinking. He you're flies thinking, helicopters. How, how the hell am I in the room with Tom Cruise? How is he yeah. talking to me? Um, so all I'm saying is he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, that's not, he's not like, but I get your point. They are the same size here, pretty much. Yeah. The best thing I'll have to say about it is that it is kind of brilliant casting them as brothers. I mean, it is. Well, kind I don't of, have a brother. And, um, yeah, that's my show. Those are my notes. That's your show. Uh, are we supposed to tell people what the movie's about? Because why didn't anybody tell me I had a brother? Yes, we are supposed to do that. We're supposed okay. to encapsulate it very quickly and briefly. There's not much here. No, right? there's not a lot. Tom Cruise is a uh, mover shaker guy trying to get by, selling uh, gray market cars, wheeling and dealing. Ferrari's and He's going to come and seize all the cars. High-end yeah. Italian sports cars. Fancy schmancy cars. And in the middle of a deal that's not going well, he gets a call that his father died. He's got to go. Your father has died, Charlie. Charlie? Uh-huh. I'm sorry. The funeral's tomorrow in Cincinnati. Yeah, so he's got to go back to Cincinnati for the funeral. His father's estate is settled, and he finds out that he got the old fancy car and some rose bushes. He got $3 million, but he didn't get the rose bushes. I got the rose bushes. I definitely got the rose bushes. Charles. I definitely got the rose bushes. I mean, those are rose bushes. There's no need to, to what? Yeah. And the rest of the estate, $3 million, has gone to a uh, a facility where he discovers he has a brother who lives in a facility and uh, he sort of kidnaps the brother because he thinks that may help him get half of the money. Who the Sunday hell are you? Uh-oh. Huh? Oh, wait a second. Where are you going? They go on a road trip and uh, he, uh, Tom Cruise ostensibly uh, grows a little bit. Uh, it's a road trip movie. Yeah. It's a road trip movie. Yeah. It's like, that's it. It's a road trip. They're yeah. trying to get to California and they have to drive because he won't fly because uh Dustin won't, fly. won't fly because um, he's uh an autistic savant and he has very specific times and needs a, a, about how he'll travel and television shows he has to see at a certain time. Yeah. So it's very hard to travel. But it's Dustin definitely not my room and I don't have my tapioca pudding in the bed's in the wrong place. That's not, definitely not my bed. Dustin Hoffman won an Oscar for this movie. Yes. Was that would that be an Academy Award? Yeah, he won an Academy won, Award. Won an Academy Award. I'm an excellent driver. Yeah. I, I I don't want to lead with that because there's other things that are confusing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I honestly so am glad that you that you said that you didn't you that you were it you just didn't really get it because I don't I, I I don't really get it I I didn't. I think there are things about it that are are admirable um, in, in moments or scenes or things. And I think that maybe what they were trying for was interesting. I just kept on thinking, like, I just wanted this to be, if there was ever like Over? a small, <laughs> no, if there was ever like a small European movie, you know, ever, this would have been it. This would have been the way to me, my, my, the idea of doing it, this incredibly high-end, you know, gorgeous Hollywood-style, very expensive-looking movie just feels like I don't understand. I don't understand the treatment of it. And uh, I think we're going to get to some important truths about how we feel about these performances. Uh, I'm scared to do that, but 
Yeah. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, let, let's go even beneath that, the writing. I yeah, wanted, let's do that. I wanted for Tom Cruise's character to work for me. He seemed... I mean, granted, at the beginning of the movie, we're supposed to think he's a bit of an asshole, right? You're using Raymond. Raymond, am I using you? Am I using you, Raymond? Yeah. Shut up! And when we when we get into that, I wanted to learn more about his backstory, about why he was the way he was. Now, they, they, they do it, but the, the story that's told about him, you know, stealing his father's car, that car when he was 16 years old, just makes him seem like more of an asshole. There wasn't something about his past that that made me sympathize and identify with why he's become the way he's become. Uh, it it just didn't work for me. So he he became. I don't mind a character who's who's flawed and unlikable if I see and understand the circumstances that drove him to that, and then he has some redemption. But this guy just seemed unlikable from from the get-go. I'll go one step further. I, I mean, I don't care if a character is likable. I don't care if a character is likable at all. It has zero to do with my enjoyment of a movie. Yeah, well, I you're talking to the guy who likes Ralph Meeker. Well, exactly. So you were you were actually kind of like soft pedaling yourself a little bit here. You know, you yeah. you don't care, and I neither do I. What I do care about is 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 when I feel like the movie is asking me asking me to find sympathy and asking for sympathy when i i don't feel it's earned at all in any way and i'm happy to not give sympathy i'm happy just to watch this terrible person but i'm not willing to be manipulated into into feeling things about him that aren't in the movie right they're just being asked for you know and why valerie galino is in love with him and sticks with him is a mystery I understand why she's with him in the beginning. I don't know why she comes back. Valeria Galino. I'm yes. Sorry. Yes. I don't know why she comes back. Um, yeah. He, I guess one of the things I felt was that, you know, this movie is about, on paper, maybe, the movie is, is about a, a person undergoing, a very flawed person undergoing a very small but important change in their life, in their emotional life, you know? And I like that idea about him. I like that idea for a movie um, where a character goes from A to, you know, to, to, to just to B, not to like down the alphabet, just, they, they just make one click of get, they get 1% more hum, human, you know? And I've seen movies like that. This was maybe this was trying to be that. I just don't think the script uh, inspired Cruz to give a performance that was subtle enough to capture that shift. I didn't no, see and- a shift. He also is a really bad guy, like a pretty awful. He does some pretty bad stuff, and we're asked to think that he's changed in a very very small amount of time. And we really uh oh. Put your, put your shorts on the highway. We really haven't seen the, the the we haven't seen the thing change. We we're kind of told that it that it's changed. We're kind of told that I feel more for this guy and I've opened up my heart a little bit, but I don't really think I've we've experienced it. And you know who does a a, a great um. An, an example of what you're talking about, about the character only needing to go from A to B for you to care is uh, Donald Margulies in Sight Unseen. He does this great thing with the character of Jonathan Waxman where, and I had an argument with a friend of mine about this play once where my friend said, it's just, it's terrible. He doesn't change. He doesn't change at all in the course of the play. And that's kind of true except at the end of the play, what he finally decides to do, it's like the whole play is him trying not to look in the mirror at himself. And at the end of the play, he turns the mirror around and looks at himself for the first time in a way. And my friend said, yeah, but, but what happens? And I said, who cares what happens? 
he changes or he doesn't change, but that struggle to decide to look at yourself and maybe, you know, maybe take an honest look at yourself, that just that change alone. Sure. He makes it huge in the play. And in, and in yeah. this, you, you don't, you know, I just didn't buy it. I don't see what it is that wakes I'll, I'll, him yeah. up. I'll even go one step further and say, I don't even need a character to go from point A to point B. Honestly, uh, it just, if you're going to work in that kind of subtlety, then, then this, the screenwriting to me or the perception of it, the way it's filmed and the acting has to just be working at a much, much subtler level than this movie was really operating at. Um, that's, you know, that's what I'm, that's what my takeaway is. I, I, this is such a downer because everybody loves this movie. Like, honestly, well, you know, that's what makes it a horse race. If there is a hell, sir, my father's in it, and he is looking up right now, and he, he is laughing his ass off. I, yeah. I also, you know, I mean, my, I have a, a lot of respect for Tom Cruise, as I've said on the show, um, in various ways. You know, I think he's an incredible movie star. He's probably the last one, and he's a pretty great movie star. Um, he puts out some great films and he cares about what he makes, I think. Um, and he's been, he's been really great in some movies. I, I don't think this is his movie though. No, I really don't. I, I gotta say, I, I think, um, I don't really think it's either of their movie, but, um, I just feel them, uh, kind of playing at it a little bit. And, um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't really have have an issue with with I guess with you know Dustin Hoffman playing this character. I, I suppose some people might. I, I I don't know really what I, I feel about it. I think he's fine in it. I, I I think he's absolutely fine in it. I don't get the the accolades though. Uh -oh. I, I, you know I don't I I don't think that the there's a lot of talk about the research and the study that he did to play this character, but that's just, you know, that's what we all do when we're playing a role with, with the, the details of, of a particular condition. Uh, I, 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 it, it just doesn't, I don't see it as, what was it? Uh, that, um, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> says in, in, uh, in, um, Tropic Thunder, swinging for the fences. Yeah, yeah, I was swinging that. for the fences. I thought of that. Um, but he's not swinging for the fences in this. He's doing a, a thoroughly accurate workmanlike portrayal of a particular condition. But that's that's technician work. That's not, yeah, br brilliant acting in in my book. And 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 nothing against 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 Dustin. I I love him in in certain movies. Um, I'm trying to sit here and figure out why, like, guys like John Seal are involved in this movie. You know, like John Seal, a cinematographer, who's he's in, you know, he's in, he's incredible, epic, Mad Max, English Patient, you know, Witness, Talented Mr. Ripley, like some of the most beautiful, epic movies. And well, I and this like, movie's beautiful in places. That's not that's that that is that's what does that have to do with anything? It Why doesn't have to do with the movie. I gotta we gotta start somewhere. Let's just start talking about Hans Zimmer, shall we? The score. What what Toto concert did he just come back from? I mean, what is going on? Well, he only did 12 minutes of music for this movie. It was the wrong 12 minutes. But the rest, I think the rest of it is the music supervisor. I'm I'm talking about, I, uh, yeah, I know the difference between the score and the music supervisor. And trust me, they were both, they're, they're both they're on both my horrible. list. They're both horrible. But Hans Zimmer, who, who has no shame and knows not the word shame, didn't really know it when he first started because this is his first film, I think. We're close to it. Do we have any wow. music clips we can play? We've already heard some. Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> oh Hans Zimmer. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then we get to see the fantastic Eric Clapton have a little moment with, you know, the after midnight, uh, the after midnight song on the video comes on the hotel oh, wow. room. Yeah. This was just so manipulated by studio people with like, I just felt like you could taste the sushi that had been flown in from, uh, from Melrose. Okay, I want to take a break from the horribleness for a moment. Okay. Just, is it just us? Maybe it's just us. No, Maybe this is a great movie. There's a couple of things that I want to call out as fantastic. Not, not having to do with the movie itself necessarily, but just things <laughs> that I think need to be recognized. Okay. Um, Bonnie Hunt as the waitress in the toothpick scene. She's great. She shows up, it's her film debut, and this is a woman who throughout her career, role after role after role that should have propelled her to stardom, and I see it every time I see her in anything. I never understand why that woman was not an enormous superstar. She's great. And, um... she's, and, and here she is in this bit part, and she freaking shines. Sally, dear, she likes Sally. 4610092. How did you know my phone number? Really interesting about that scene too is that it's it's written with a, with one of the silliest lies in it I've ever seen because I don't think name tags have people's last names if you work in a diner. No. Do they? I don't think they do. No, they don't. They don't have the last name. They Pretty sure they the, don't. So, uh, um, I didn't believe but, that part of it. But she just, uh, Lucinda Jenny, who has one scene as a maybe hooker at the casino, dynamite. No, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. What I'm thinking here is that what's what's pretty clear is all all the really all the ancillary small character work is great in this movie. All, all the small stuff yeah. is great and much more refined than these two lead performances are. Yeah. And I feel like that's where Barry Levinson didn't really have any real control over his movie. Like the stuff that's great is I think Barry Levinson. Yeah. Beth, and the stuff Beth that Grant, Beth Grant is the farmhouse mom. Absolutely. I mean, incredible you know, casting, an incredible uh, actor. Gerald, Gerald Mullen is Dr. Bruner. Dr. Bruner. Um, and, the guy and, who plays Vern, Michael D. Roberts. That's one of my favorite scenes. Vern in the beginning is the, 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 uh, Paul, oh, 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 Vern, beat your hand. Of course, of course, these people are going to be here all day, Vern. This is, this is an unannounced visit, Vern. This is, this is, this, this is definitely not a weekend visit, Vern. Yeah, he's Great. terrific. My main man. Yeah, firm, my main man. My main man, firm. Uh, and Barry, Barry Levinson. Barry Levinson doing great work, kind of a la, you know, uh, Sidney Pollack, who turned yeah. down this movie, was going to direct this movie and didn't do it. Um, you know who so, that was supposed to be in that last scene as the doctor? Well, uh, I, other than Sidney Pollack, no. J.T. Walsh was going to oh, be Oh, J.T. Walsh. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's then right. Then he he took it because uh he dropped out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, that's what I'm getting is that like, I can see Barry. Le I can see Barry Levinson's touch in in those small scenes, in those small parts, in the in the country doctor scene. You know that doctor, that great doctor that they talk to. Um, who doesn't really know anything about psychology, but that's right. It's a terrific scene. It's a great scene. You know, I love the casino guy and, and the fact that the casino helpers, and this is very Barry Levinson, like that the casino's cool. You think yeah. they're going to like break his legs and they're like, just get out of here. Will you just take go, the money and go away? Go away. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that was uh, that felt like Barry Le the Barry Levinson that I know. And then the, the rest of it just felt like he was making a movie that, he just didn't have complete control over because these two lead giant stars, I would imagine, you know, are a little hard to direct. And I don't mean that like, I would, I don't mean that they are take direction badly. I mean that it would be hard to know how to maybe how to direct them. If you, uh, if, 
you know, you weren't already friends with them or somehow in. Um, um, Ray, do you know any, how much candy bar costs? About $100. Any particular scene stand out to you as exceptionally bad or uncomfortable? Because um, I have two. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I mean like badly done, just things that were kind of squirmy for you. Yeah, um, really squirmy, and and left me thinking: could could this have been? Because they 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 were two scenes that, to my mind, were aiming for really capturing the heart of the not the conflict, but the the conundrum of, of the movie, right? The sort of the central, what are we going to do about Raymond question of the film? I can, I'm not thinking of, of a scene particularly. Uh, the, the dancing, the brothers dancing. Oh, God. All right. Could have been, which was aiming for... I, I felt like they were aiming for a scene that would be epic and memorable and just heartbreaking in its simplicity and beauty. And it missed by a country mile. No, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I, I, I should have known that that that's an obvious one. I should have, I should have known that you were talking about that scene. I agree. It does feel like everybody was, was consciously trying to make a great Hollywood moment happen. Yeah. And you, I'm sorry, you you and I would do that scene better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With an Um, iPhone. Uh Oh, in a holiday Inn. Yeah. Um, and then that was rough. The kissing scene in the elevator with Valeria Galina. Awful. Just don't understand it. But here's the here's here's the thing though, okay? What I what I don't understand, and this is where I get confused. Like, is this whose whose fault? Is this could the script be could that could that could that have been the most brilliant thing in the world if the movie wasn't asking me to think that Valeria Galino was a great person in this moment? If the if the scene was about a very strange woman. Right, as it turns out. Because this is an odd thing for a woman to do. To stop an elevator and kind of sexually prey upon a a, a man who doesn't have his wits about him in that regard. Yeah. That's, a, that's a strange moment. Now, and I'm I, I got to say, that... I think it would have been strange back then. I don't think that's our modern sensibility saying that it's strange either. It, it's not. It's It's, well strange in the sense that it's 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 behavior that is i think worth dramatizing it's a scene worth shooting but to but to not address it as such to not to feel like the studio making it was asking me to buy into the romance of it instead of the extremely weird kind of unwholesomeness of it you know what could have made it really, really interesting is is if there had been a sense of her looking for some honesty, simplicity, innocence from him that she doesn't get from the from her actual boyfriend, Tom Cruise. Right. And she tries this in order to fill that need and it doesn't work. And she realizes there's something wrong with it. That could have been a fascinating scene. That could have been a fascinating scene. Uh, it also could have been fascinating if it was played as it was, but it wasn't created in a way to make us feel that we had to, that we were manipulated into feeling things about it rather than just watching and observing behavior. Right. You know, like when they made Being There, which is, I think, the good version of this movie in many respects. You know, or it seems to be like the touchstone, maybe the kind of movie they were trying to maybe they thought they were making here. You know, this is the kind of movie that Hal Ashby would have known how to make. 
Um, and being there has scenes like that where, you know, Peter Sellers playing someone very similar to Dustin Hoffman in this movie is, is kind of preyed upon by, by, um, by a, a woman. And it's, 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 it's a very odd scene, um, but it's not played for sentimentality. Right. We're not asked to buy into the romance, into any kind of romance of it. Right. With its score and its lighting and the way that it's, you know, kind of shot and handled. We're just kind of shown this odd moment. And that that's what was missing here. And and I think it was cognitive dissonance that you're feeling of like, I feel uncomfortable, but the storyteller is saying, like, no, go to sleep. It's beautiful. She's giving him a gift. And you're like, no, this is wrong. What's happening? Yeah. It starts getting kind of creepy and you don't know really why. So uh, and it's not that kind of movie. It's not a movie that really needs to work at that cognitive dissonant level where it's trying. It should be trying to hurt you. You know, I, I read that originally the script was originally written, and I, I think uh, this could have been really interesting with Dennis and Randy Quaid in mind. Yeah, I, that that's see, that's along the lines of where I think this movie really would have been great. I, I if you if I, I mean if there was ever a part for a young Jack Nicholson, it would have been this part for, for this, you know, would have been uh, Tom Cruise, the Tom Cruise role. And I feel like that desperation, you know, that, that, that hustler desperation that Nicholson could have would have been uglier and more forgivable because it was so desperate. And I don't know that Cruise is depicting somebody that I want even i don't even know if i want to see him learn a lesson you know i don't even know if i want this guy to grow up i don't want to really hang around him um and and um it's not detailed enough for me to to really care um boy we are going to town you have do you have other stuff to say before we get to kind of the fun the fun stuff of our our silliness um double features and our things like that I, you know, I, I will, I do have a couple of things to say. I think watching Tom Cruise try to smoke cigarettes is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a movie. Isn't that, wasn't that strange for you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking at, oh, we have some things uh, our producers are talking back to us here. Nicholson turned um, down Raymond. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. I, I, I uh, that makes sense. It's a very Nicholson-y kind of role. Um, and also, uh, oh yeah, the, the, the elder, elderly gentleman in the waiting room talking about the Pony Express was great. Yes. Well, Um, that is, um, that's what I have down as my role. (laughs) Okay. Let me see. I, I would love to play that part, just rambling on about because uh, I, I do that in life. I with the family, we'll be out to dinner, and somebody will ask a question, I'll, and I'll go, "Oh, well, you know, it's interesting." And then I can see after five minutes, everybody's sort of tuning out. It's like Matthew, we just asked a question about salt. We didn't. No, need, I, didn't I think you're shortchanging yourself. I gave you. I think you're the Barry Levinson role. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, you just I have to get you. you just have to get uh, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach's hairpiece out of storage. <laughs> I wore that hair that hair in a in a show at South Coast Rep. So you already get, you have access to it. We'll yeah, put I you do. in that part. Um, and I I had you as uh, Lenny. Oh, that's uh, me too. Thank you, you had you as Lenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help it. yeah. Yeah, it was Lenny or the casino director, but I think Lenny, that's the part I would end up getting. Okay, cool. All right. We saw yeah. an eye on that. Nice, who nice you, job. Who there. did you have me as? I told you, Barry Levinson. Oh, oh Barry Levinson, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do was... like the fact that they were watching Sweet Smell of Success in the ho- in one of the hotel rooms. Yes, that was pretty now, cool. That's a movie about unlikable people that doesn't matter. They don't no, learn or it. grow either, and it's great. No, it's great. Um, do you have... Um... What what do you think is the best thing, best way to watch this movie? The best way to watch this movie would be in one of those TV chairs at the train station that they have. <laughs> that they the had movie. in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, I, I hadn't seen those chairs in a while. People, honestly, if you want to see how messed up the 80s were, and this goes back to the 70s too, there is yeah. no better example of how psychotic that time period was than that row of chairs. <laughs> Does this government want you to watch television or what? Yeah. Watch television. Television, yeah. It's like Roddy Roddy Piper in them. Yeah, watch. and they look like watch, was, obey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and those TV chairs looked exactly like you know. It looked like uh, the Travis Walton story. It looked like fire in the sky. It, it really was terrifying. Yeah, I had down. Uh, people may not know this. Our our listening audience may not know this, but uh, I used to be quite the uh, knitter and need, needlepoint guy. I would do a lot of needlepoint and knitting. Is that code yeah. for something? No, it's actually, I would do oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. And it partly came from doing theater and having hours backstage, having to listen to the show, and you can't read a book because you got to be listening. It would keep my hands busy, and I would do do that. I think the the way to watch this movie is while you're doing something else, like knitting or needlepoint, that that is taking all of your attention, so that you really don't have to pay that much attention to it. I think the best way is to just watch on a loop. There, there are two arrival montages into Las Vegas. If you have any doubt that the city of Las Vegas paid for part of this movie, yeah, and let them let them shoot wherever they wanted to for you know for some free advertising, those are two long montages yeah. about driving into into Vegas. One at when night, was, one in the daytime. When was the last time you were in Vegas? It's been a while. Because um, it doesn't look that that looks like a quaint old. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's midwestern like, ghost town. That looks like fear and loathing. It looks like fear and loathing is happening. It doesn't yeah. look like it, that at all today. It's been it's um, been a long time, but more than that. And uh, your double your double feature for this film. My double feature would be this, and the last would be the last detail. Ah, okay. Like Which has that. got Nicholson and, and Quaid in it. Yeah, of. that's good. I had 1939's of Mice and Men with uh, Burgess Meredith. That was my and, second. That was my second choice. Really? Burgess yes. Meredith and Lon Chaney Jr. Yes, that was my oh, second choice. Amazing. Oh, I can't believe it. We, we are in we, sync tonight. We were of like mind. Yeah, oh my exactly. god, that's so great. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I oh and and recasting. I I had one way of recasting this movie where I thought I think actually it would be interesting to watch. Me too. What was yours? Y uh young Greg Kinnear in the uh Tom Cruise role and Steve Carell in the uh in the um Oh, I can see Hoffman it. Role. I can see it. They'd be great brothers as well. I can totally see that. Well, they played brothers in in uh, Little Miss Sonenshans. Yes, they they did. <laughs> they, that's true. Um, that's good. That's very good. I I went a different direction, but also with a with a more serious vibe, and uh, I put uh, De Niro in the cruise role, and John Cazale in. Oh the my Dustin God, Hodge. that would be spectacular. Particularly, and you could have the same scene of "I'm smart, I know things." You could yeah. put that scene right yeah. in. You could. The whole. My father died. You know that he died last week. Did they tell you that? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd know. like to see a mashup. Actually, a mashup of this and and the. Uh, the Pacino Kisal relationship in Godfather. Yeah, me too. <laughs> You know, it's weird. Uh, Michael Caine apparently says that Rain Man, that uh, Tom Cruise's favorite performance in film is Tom Cruise in Rain Man. And um, well, I why I bring this up, except to say that it remind me not to ask Michael Caine for like recipes for dinner or anything else, because. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk to Michael about that. I say Michael as if we know him. We hang out with him. Well, if you see Michael, C Michael Caine, people think you're talking about your cocaine. My cocaine. My cocaine. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything super, you know, wonderful to mention, except once again, I'd like to mention that we have to sit through Eric Clapton videos. Okay. Why in God's name would you put an Eric Clapton video in your movie? And what was that song playing when they got to Vegas? What banana, what crazy walk the dinosaur nonsense was happening? 
Mask walk the dinosaur. Is that is that the Bengals walk the dinosaur? No, that's walk like an Egyptian. Oh, that's right. Well, next week we've got a good movie. I suspect I haven't seen it. What's the movie? Wes Anderson. Darjeeling Wes Craven, Darjeeling Express. No, Wes Anderson's Darjeeling Express. Uh, is it Darjeeling Express or Limited? Darjeeling. Uh, oh, now you've got me confused. It's, it's Darjeeling some, Limited. It's the T Train. Don't you have to tell the right, correct title of the movie? Is it Dar, Darjeeling Limited? Darjeeling Wes, Limited. Wes Craven is the Darjeeling Express because they, exactly. they skip all the stations and they say, why aren't we stopping? It's out of control. The devil <laughs> yeah. has control of this train. It was the boogeyman. And that so was the Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. Owen Wilson, Adrian Brody, Jason Schwartzman as brothers. I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like maybe the... Uh... I don't have a brother. <laughs> you do tonight, man. We yeah. are on the same we page. Are, we are brothers tonight. I think, you know, much in, in a way, much to the, the show hurt was, was suffered for us agreeing here. I'm sure the audience would have liked it if we uh, we duked this one out. But yeah. this was an I, I didn't. This was a this this was like a bad 80s memory. Like yeah. this was a, an 80s that I don't need to. I don't need to go back to that 80s. There's things I liked, but yeah. not that. And maybe we should leave our audience with this fact. This fun fact that the fart scene in the phone booth was not scripted. No, apparently not. <laughs> and and there you have it. So Which means it should have been a lot funnier and better. Yes, than it was. It should have been. So let's uh, let's please uh, please join us next week for the Darjeeling Limited Express. Uh, by Wes Craven Anderson. Rounding out, coming close to the end of our Loving of Brothers marathon. Loving Brothers. And uh, and we, we maybe we won't agree so much next week. You never know. You don't know. I hope, I hope to give you a more scintillating show next week, dear listeners. We do what we can. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Talking about cocktails that are stylish, movies great or phony, and how Tony should win and Matthew, then Matthew should win the Tony. But in the meantime, talking about film in the meantime, the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.